What is up, everyone? My name is OJ Tucker, host of the OJ Tucker podcast, the only comedy t- tennis podcast that talks about a political and societal culture as a whole. My name is OJ Tucker, as the name would suggest. Happy Thursday. Hopefully, you guys are getting ready for your weekend, spending time with your family or friends, watching the latter half of the Miami Open as well. There's a little bit of news that we get into for today in terms of news outside of the tennis world. You know, we can discuss the World Baseball Classic, uh, the final that happened between USA Japan, and the overall excitement and buzz that is with baseball as of this moment in time. Who knows? It might dis- it might dissipate. It might die down. But as of today, as of right now, I think baseball is in pretty good place in regards to the World Baseball Classic, and hopefully, it can register with the MLB. So that's sort of what I want to get into for baseball. Uh, in terms of news outside of baseball, in terms of news outside of that, and, and more in terms of the, within our political world, we can also discuss Donald Trump's arrest update. He has not been arrested as yet. There was a bomb threat made at the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, and because of that, uh, there was no action in regards to it. And who knows if there will be any action in regards to his arrest, uh, because at the end of the day, it's been quite depressing i'm not gonna lie the fact that there's been no news circulating in regards to donald trump's arrest even though there's been so much there's there was so much spotlight on it and lead up to it i think this is our generation's al capone's vault you know we were promised one thing we didn't get it and now we're dealing with what is essentially to be a nothing you know that's basically what we're doing as of this moment in time where we're not really talking about anything it really this is a nothing story as of now and things might change you know who who knows maybe he might get arrested later this week maybe next week who knows but it's been nothing the story has been nothing and the amount of attention that the media has been giving the story i think it's it's kind of not warranted in a lot of ways and obviously uh that will be it for the topics for today uh, but there's one thing that I want to discuss, and that is tennis. Uh, so this will be a little bit of a chill podcast. There's not been a lot of news that's been coming out uh, in the past 48 hours since I last talked to you. So this will be a quite of a chill podcast, not that many topics. Obviously, you have the World Baseball Classic. You got Trump. Uh, but I do want to talk about tennis for today. I do want to have at least one topic about tennis. And this topic, I think, is kind of important for in the context of this year's and this next few weeks uh, for tennis. And that is my Miami Open predictions. So for this topic, I'll be discussing the overall men's singles and who I believe will succeed within the men's singles for this tournament. Now, obviously, when you talk about the Miami Open, when you talk about players that will compete and do well, obviously, Alcaraz and Medvedev are 1A, 1B. I mean, that's just let's just cut it. Let's just cut to the chase. They're 1A, 1B. They will be dominant for the foreseeable future and, and more specifically for this tournament. I mean, that's just the nature of what it is. I mean, they both were able to reach the final of the Indian Wells Masters, uh, the BNP Paribas Open. At the end of the day, they're going to reach the final if things come, go, uh, turn out the way they're supposed to turn out. So obviously, they're, supposed to, they're the clear-cut favorites to win. But I do want to extend that further i want to make sure that other players get their just due and i think it's important to pick some sleeper picks some underdog picks and we can just go from there so i think in a lot of ways when you think about when we think about the miami open right we think about individuals who were able to succeed 
at this moment in time, at this time, early on in the season, but in terms of hard court. And one individual that really comes to mind when I think about success at the Miami Open, and who I think is a sleeper pick or an underdog pick that I think you guys should pick as well, is Hubert Hercatch. I think that's one person who we have to keep in mind when we think about this year's Miami Open. He's regressed since then. I don't think he's really received or reached the heights of what he once where where he once was at Wimbledon back in 2021 when he played against Roger Federer at the quarterfinal. He hasn't reached the heights of back then since then. But I do think that this will be a make or break Miami Open for Hubert Hercatch. I think in a lot of ways, Hubert Hercatch has to deliver. Uh, I don't know if he's... Uh, I mean, obviously right now, the Miami, the Miami Open is playing, so I don't think he's playing just yet because it's the, still the round of 28. Um, yeah, the round of 64 is on, on um, Friday, so he's playing. He's the eighth ranked. So I, th- I think in a lot of ways, this will be a make or break Miami Open for Hercatch. And when I say that, I don't mean like this will be the end of his career. I'm not saying that. Obviously, I'm not trying to, uh, you know, put that in, uh, put that out into the universe. All I'm saying is that I think that this year will be a key year as to how we can predict his overall success in the long term. You know, I think in a lot of ways, he hasn't really been able to live up to the hype. And I, I don't mean that in a, in a bad way. Obviously, you know, when you see the success of Alcraz, uh, the success of Medvedev, uh, success of Rune, Sinner, obviously it puts things into a different perspective. But I, do, I don't think in regards to that, in comparing him to that, I don't think he's really succeeded in the ways that we should have seen him, seen him succeed. And hopefully this could be the year that he breaks out of that. You know, hopefully we're able to see... Uh, a more invigorated, reinvigorated Hubert Hercatch, and uh, a Hubert Hercatch that's able to play on all sides, all fronts and accords of the tennis court. Um, a person that's able to continue his consistent baseline approach, his counterpuncher approach that we've seen from countless times before. I mean, his lobs are still such a beauty to see. I mean, they're very Andy Murray-esque lobs in a lot, in a lot of ways. Uh, so Hercatch, I mean, I, I I have him as a as an underdog. I know he's eighth ranked, right? So it's it's not like he's you know going to be like the underdog. But I'm just saying, in terms of what we've seen from him as of late, he does fit that mold of being an underdog. So I, I have him, but I also have an, another individual that I, I really want to keep in mind as well for this discussion, and that is Matteo Berrettini. To me, I think Matteo Berrettini, this will be an important Miami Open. Now, do I think he will win? Obviously not. We've discussed this at the top of the discussion. I think Alcaraz and Medvedev are the clear-cut favorites to win. But I also think Matteo Berrettini can be in that mold and should be in that mold of trying to prove the doubters wrong. And when I say doubters wrong, I mean Nicola Pietrangeli. I talked about Nicola Pietrangeli's comments on Matteo Berrettini a few podcast episodes ago. So go check it out. Uh, I was basically just reviewing my overall thoughts on Pietrangeli and how he was very dismissive of Matteo Berrettini, how he said Matteo Berrettini just cares about sponsorships. I think this Miami Open, Matteo Berrettini needs to prove those people wrong, and he's got to get to it. You know, I mean, last year... I think he was bouncing the first round of Miami Open. Don't quote me on that. Uh, but, I mean, this is one of those tournaments where he hasn't really had that much success in. So hopefully he can really steer that ship clear 
and change it so that he's able to succeed and do well. Uh, I really want to see Matteo Berrettini do well. You know, for me, you know, when you see Matteo Berrettini, you know, he's... I don't want to just call him just a serve ball kind of guy. I mean, he, he, he might be getting there, but I, I hope we're able to see a more athletic, more dynamic Matteo Berrettini, Matteo Berrettini that's able to accept hitting backhands, which I think is very, very important, especially when you're in the ATP at this level. You got to make sure you got to hit a backhand, and I, I don't think we've seen that from Matteo Berrettini. A lot of weight, and a lot of times his backhands are his downfall. His backhands are his crutch in a lot of ways in these matches. So hopefully he's able to get to a point where he's able to rely on his backhands, effectively rely on his backhands, so that he's able to get clean winners from the baseline out. And I, I know that's a little bit of a big ask, especially in a tournament such as the Miami Open, but hopefully we're able to see that uh, from Matteo Berrettini because, again, it's not normal to see a person like that just have that pathetic of a backhand. It really is. It, it, it's 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 not a. It feels like he's stiff when he's hitting that backhand. It feels like he's restricting himself from actually hitting a clean winner, and I just don't think that's the case. In a lot of ways, he just inadvertently slices when he hits the backhand. It's like, what what are you doing here? What's happening? This is not. I mean, I'm, I feel I just feel bad for his coach. I mean, I think his coach needs to at least say something about it. You know, at least anything to be honest with you. So yeah, overall, uh, Matteo Berrettini, I think that's another individual that you got to keep an eye out for. I don't think he's going to win. Obviously, I don't think he's going to win, but I do think that he has to deliver to prove the naysayers wrong, to prove the doubters wrong. In a lot of ways, he is, in a way, very similar to Emirata Kanu. Very, very similar to Emirata Kanu, where obviously he hasn't won a major yet, but he's talented enough where... There's been a lot of criticism on him for focusing on things off the court, similar to, similarly to Amirat Khan. So hopefully he's able to prove the naysayers wrong, the doubters wrong, and hopefully he's able to do that through this tournament. And one more individual that I want to discuss that I think is very, very important that I don't really hear a lot of people discussing, but he's, I think, the fourth or fifth ranked player in, the, in this tournament. So obviously, you know, this is not like a prediction of, oh, he's going to win because, again, it's like he's the fourth or fifth ranked player. I mean, obviously... He is in contention, but another individual that I think should be valued that I don't really see people talk about is Felix Ogier Aliassim. This is I I I want to go as far as to say it's a sleeper pick because he's fourth or fifth ranked, <laughs> so he can't really be uh, a sleeper pick. But I do think that he has the ability to go to the final, and I wouldn't even be shocked if he won the final. Because he's been very successful over the past year. I mean, he won at the Friends Open, won at the European Open, won at Swinson Doors. He lost to Medvedev back-to-back at Rotterdam and Qatar. So obviously that's a cause of concern, especially if he runs into Medvedev again, if they're in the same bracket. But again, you can't, you, we got to stop discounting FAA. Yeah, he may not be the most, you know, show-off player on the court. You know, he may not have the elegance of a Federer backhand. He may not have the... Top spin shots uh, of Nadal, but he's still an impressive player, a person that's able to win on all fronts and accords, who is able to really win off of your own weaknesses and pinpoint your own weaknesses, really able to highlight that and, and make it a problem throughout the entire match. And I think FAA is a technician of finding the weaknesses of his own players that he's playing on court. And 
if he's able to do that throughout this entire Miami Open, I think he's going to be hoisting that trophy on on final Sunday. I really do think so. I mean, again, I think FIA is one of those individuals that for so long, he's been so denied. Everyone has been sort of negating his overall role in these tournaments and these matches. And again, as I said before, he's not, you know, graceful on court, SA or Federer at all. So I understand that. You know, he doesn't have that wow factor of a Berrettini serve. He doesn't have, you know, the the wowness of a Alcaraz drop shot. But the things that he does well, he does better than any other t- uh, player on the court or on, on the ATP tour for that matter. And I feel like for so long now, he's been he's been denied uh, of really being able to stand amongst his own group and succeed. In a lot of ways, I think the the, the love and support that the Zverevs and the Sitsipasas get, I think that, that should be redirected to FAA because he's been more successful than Sitsipas and Zverev in the past year or so. Now, obviously, with Zverev, he's had that ankle injury. He's had the lower body injury, but... I mean, overall, he's been more successful than those two other players, and I think he deserves more shine and more spotlight, more of a spotlight than, say, Sitsipas and, Mev- and, and Zverev. Obviously not Medvedev, but Sitsipas and Zverev. I think he stands uh, out amongst those individuals. And again, I think he's like 22, so I don't think he really belongs within that within that generation of players, but still, he's still often group with him and I think he should stand out I mean he's already standing out and I think he should be getting more public public recognition because of it uh, so yeah FAA I think he's one of those individuals where even though he's fourth or fifth ranked, fifth ranked I still believe that in a lot of ways people are doubting him and people aren't giving him his just due and I, I want to dispel that notion I want to dispel that myth that there are people that acknowledge his success and if anything, he should just take it in stride and, and just focus on succeeding. And, and I think he will do that. So obviously, Alcaraz and Medvedev are scheduled to be the clear-cut favorites to win the Miami Open. But if I had to include some other names, FAA, I think you got to keep an eye out for him. Berrettini, while I don't think he will really win, I do think that it's going to be interesting to see the storylines attached to Berrettini. Um, her catch, he won the Miami Open in 2021. Hopefully, he's able to be a two-time Miami Open winner. Who knows? Uh, but those are some of the names that pop up to mind. If you have any other names that you think are going to succeed at the Miami Open, do leave your comments down below. I want to hear them out. I want to hear what you have to say. I think it's very, very important to hear that out. Um, I was seeing the uh, players that were associated with the Miami Open this year, and it was obviously you know the names that you've come to expect, uh, whether it's Berrettini's, Hercotch, FAA's. All across Movedevs, you know, and those individuals. But uh, there were some Russian players as well, you know, Karen Kochinov, Daniel Medvedev, as I mentioned before, Andrei Rublev, and there were no Russian flags to it, you know. So hopefully the charade ends where we have to, you know, whitewash a person's country or nationality just because they're in a war that we don't really agree with or they have to be on the side of a war that we don't really agree with. Hopefully that ends sooner than later because I think they should really support their own Russian flag. I think it's important that these governing bodies, these tennis tournaments, allow these players to represent their nation to the best of their ability. Forget the ongoing sociopolitical tensions that are currently happening in Europe. What matters is being able to represent your flag, your country to the best of your ability. And to deny that for from individuals, I think that's horribly wrong. And if this happened to any other country, in any other place... 
we would be looking at it and say that's xenophobic and that is the truest sense of xenophobia. But because it's Russia, because it's the ongoing Russia-Ukraine conflict, it's completely fine and swept under the rug, which I think is horrible and I think it's wrong. So, yeah, I, I wanted to get that in there as well. You know, it wouldn't be a OJ Tucker podcast without mention, without me mentioning that, you know. Again, I'm going to, I'm going to keep defending these Russian players because they're, in no, they're, they're, they're not in the wrong. All right, they've been very vocal about their opinions on the Ukraine-Russia war, especially Andrei Rublev, and it's important that they that we give them the grace and benefit of the doubt, so that they can represent their flag and represent their country to the best of their ability, and to outwardly whitewash it or to sweep it under the rug. I don't think it does anybody any favors. Uh, but yeah, Andrei Rublev again. I think he's also in that position to succeed as well uh i don't know what the standing was last year for the for the miami people i can obviously i can obviously look it up uh but again i think he's another individual that you got to keep an eye out for i mean he had a really successful uh 2022 year i mean with multiple atp 500 tournaments won uh he lost in around 64 to curious so he didn't have the most successful 2022 year but anyways overall that's to keep in mind for for the Miami uh, for this year, you know, those names that I mentioned before: FAA, Berrettini, and Herka. I don't, I don't think they'll win per se, but I definitely do think that the storylines attached to those players, I think, make up the tournament. And as we all know, storylines make up tennis. You know, you got, you know, storylines are what make individuals watch a product. You know, like in the World Baseball Classic final between Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. You know, if Shohei Otani struck out Mike Trout. It will be game over, series over, tournament over, Japan wins, you know, and they win the World Baseball Classic. And that was a very, very good ending for that tournament, uh, which we'll get into later in the podcast. But I think uh, I've exceeded my limits. I've exercised my limits on this topic. Let's move into our political topic for today. So Donald Trump has yet to be arrested. Uh, This was supposed to be the biggest news story of, say, this week and arguably of 2023 thus far. And Donald Trump has yet, still has yet to be arrested. And now everyone on Twitter is, and everyone just in life, I guess, are, are like, what's happening here? We were promised one thing. We were promised that there would be bloodshed on the streets. We, 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 we promised that there would be some backlash to it. You know, we, there were Trump supporters outside the New York Attorney General's office or AD's office, I, I don't know, District Attorney's office. Uh, and they were by the tens, actually less than 10. Now, apparently there were like less than 10 Trump supporters outside the DA's office, which I think that's a good thing. To be honest with you, I don't know how big and vocal his fan base is nowadays. I really don't. I think since he's out of office and because he's out of those platforms on Twitter and Facebook, he hasn't really been able to communicate his thoughts properly or effectively, which definitely does not help his case whatsoever. And because of that, you saw that in, in real time. You saw that in real life where not that many supporters came out to support him. And Sean McCarthy actually had a really good tweet about it. If you guys don't know Sean McCarthy, he's back on Twitter. Uh, he's, I think, the host of Grub Stakers podcast, which um, I think is it's, it's, I think it's a podcast that's still going on. Hopefully I'm right. But it basically documents like Fortune 500 CEOs and how they got their fame and money. It's a really interesting podcast. Um, go check it out. Go check out his Twitter. I think his Twitter account is uh, more fun and enjoyable because it's just right there in, in front of you. But 
go check, check out his Twitter. Uh, he tweeted out a very incisive point where he's like, you would think that a person who has nearly 80 million followers on Twitter would galvanize his fan base to support him instead of just being on Truth Social. Obviously, I'm paraphrasing that tweet, but I, the overall sentiment still stands, right? So you would think and you would assume that Trump would use Twitter to his advantage because that's how he, that's how he got in office. That's his bread and butter. That's what made him stand out to be the cult of personality that we see him today. Um, so you would think that he would be on Twitter and, and tweet that out. But no, he was on back on Truth Social. Uh, he accused DeSantis of being a groomer and whatnot, which I'm like... I don't know if I would go as far as that. I mean, to be honest with you, the fact that he did that, that shows to me that he's not in a good place. Obviously, that's implied he's not in a good place mentally. But even polling-wise, I don't think that the numbers are really accurate with the polling numbers. I really don't. I mean, I'm not saying anything new here. I mean, this is not revelatory information. We've been known this since... 2016 with Hillary Clinton and Trump when everyone's like, oh, Hillary Clinton will decimate Trump in the polls. Hillary Clinton will decimate Trump in the election. And then you you find out on election data, no, people don't want to support a candidate that was rapped about by Lin-Manuel Miranda. You know, people don't want to support a candidate that said Pokemon go to the polls. You know, they want to support a candidate that actually wants to, at the time, wanted to uh, restrict trade and wanted to uh, be more isolationist with his foreign policy. Uh, So that's what people wanted to vote for back in the day. Now, obviously, he didn't govern exactly like that. You know, he governed no differently than, say, Mitt Romney or Jeb Bush would have in the four years he was in office. But still, the fact that he had that base and had individuals that were ready to storm the Capitol for him, I think that's something that we haven't seen ever in politics. And obviously, it's good to see that there's not been that many people that have been protesting in favor of Trump because in a lot of ways, he's a scam artist. He's a snake oil salesman. To the definition, you know, he to the T, he's a snake oil salesman. That's what he is, and that's who he will always will be about. You know, he's nothing more than that. So, Donald Trump's arrest update, I wanted to give you that out. Um, again, it, it's, it is a very interesting thing. You know, I, I, I want to say that first and foremost. You know, it's very interesting to see this happen and this play out because at the end of the day, I, for one, have been shocked that there's not that there's not been that many supporters of Donald Trump. I, I would have think I would at least think that there would be at least a hundred, at least at the very least, because I thought, hey, you know, he's succeeding in the polling numbers. You know, I'm sure his fan base are still there, but no, they turned on him, and that's a good thing. You know, I I saw that recent short that I uploaded online uh, on YouTube, and. You know, I was saying that I, I, I do think that this is kind of a sham, kind of a witch hunt, I think. If you're going to go after this president, you got to go after every other president for the war crimes that they've committed. And I was I was seeing all the comments, and they were, like, very right-leaning. And I'm like, ugh, I don't want to be lumped with these people. Like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not a Republican at all in the slightest. Uh, there's a lot of things that I disagree with the, with the Republican Party. I think they're just the Democrats, but on a speed limit. I mean, that's what they are. They're just... Democrats that are following the speed limit laws in place. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that I disagree with, with the Republican Party. I mean, um, universal health care. I'm very much in favor of universal health care. I'm very much in favor of pulling troops out of all the wars and not continuing any wars or creating any wars of any kind. Um, you know, when, it, when I think about the Republicans now today, you know, I see a party that is so hell-bent on exceeding 
or continuing and thriving and feeling speculations of having a war with China. And to me, I just can't support that whatsoever because, again, I'm not an interventionist through and through. I do not believe that there's been one good war that we've been part of since World War II. What's the point of being in all these wars? What's the point of being in this party? And when I saw all these comments of, of just like these MAGAites just like flocking to my shorts, I'm like, oh, do I really want to be a part of this, man? Like, do I really want to have these people be like the bulk of my supporters or bulk of my commenters because I just don't like it. That's one of the reasons why I do not like uploading shorts onto my YouTube channel because it's just like you just get the dumbest comments ever and you have no control or say whatsoever because, again, you're putting yourself out of context more often than not because you can't distill down your thoughts into a one-minute soundbite. You just can't. It's, just, it's physically impossible. It's nearly impossible to do that. Um, I try to do my best within that shore, but it, there's just so many added layers to it where... You can't really talk about this in one minute and expect people to really understand you. So I don't really blame those commenters. It's just that I, I, I just hate it when I see comments that are like that, that are very like, MAGA 2024, oh, I'm like, there's something wrong with saying that you're a supporter of a person that's running for office. I'm, there's nothing wrong with that. And it's just like, I don't want to be lumped in with those people. I just don't. I just don't want to. Uh, it's all about understanding that you got to be a heel to both sides of the political aisle, to both sides of the political spectrum, because there are. If you are, if you, I mean, I'm saying this very earnestly. If you're, if you're like hardcore supporter of a political party, albeit Democrat or Republican, to me, you're on the spectrum. Like to me, that's full blown autism. Like then you're no different than a person who suffers from autism. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, like if you're like a gung ho supporter of either political party and will find ways to defend either political party and being very dogmatic about your beliefs and said political party, that to me is like autistic behavior. It really is. So I'm just saying, like, if you're one of those supporters of Donald Trump where you're so hell bent on supporting him and doing it whatever it takes to to help him out and like bro you are the biggest saddest person I, I i've ever known like really and i don't even say that i won't even say that to just trump supporters or just to any supporters of any politician like if you're willing to go to the district attorney's office in new york city where they literally have to barricade people from entering it and where you people are literally calling in bomb threats to delay the possible arrest of Trump. To me, that's sad. Like, if you're a person that engages in that behavior, that's just sad. Like, you really got to rethink your own life and, and maybe end it all, honestly. Uh, and I, I mean that with all the love and sincerity that I have for people in general. Um, but yeah, overall, it's just, we were promised one thing. We were promised an arrest and no arrest has been made. And I have egg on my face. I really do have egg on my face. You know, I really do have egg on my face. I mean, obviously, will you get prosecuted? Hell no. I mean, if you're going to prosecute Donald Trump, you got to prosecute every every president who's ever been a part of the U.S. hegemonic power in charge right now. Like, you got to arrest every president, every sitting president that you possibly can, or every president that's that's currently alive right now for the war crimes that they've done. I mean, if anything, if you're going to arrest Donald Trump, Arrest him for what he's done to Yemen. I mean, the the crap that he did to Yemen in the four years that he was in office, that in itself, he should be executed for, for that. He, I mean, 
I don't believe in prosecuting people for war crimes. I believe in executing people for war crimes. And if you're going to execute Donald Trump for what he did to Yemen, then by all means do it. Just like you should execute Obama for what he did to Libya. You know, just like you should execute uh, Bush for what he did to Iraq and Afghanistan. Just like you should execute uh, Biden for the drunk strike that he did to Somalia. You know, I'm, I'm just saying that I, 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 for me, war crimes are one of those things where I just can't support. If you, if you act on the basis of war, where said country has not hurt you in any way, shape, or form, and you continue to have this militaristic uh, belief and drone striking the living hell out of these countries, to me, that's you should be penalized for that. I mean, case in point, you should be penalized for that. Um, maybe the executing for war crimes might be a little bit of a uh, stretch, but I'm just saying, like, if you commit war crimes, you should be penalized. Case in point. Um, Hopefully, YouTube doesn't take down down this video. <laughs> Hopefully, it doesn't take down this video. I hope it doesn't. I hope it really doesn't. Um, I mean, what else can you say about it than what's already been said? I mean, what Trump possibly getting arrested? I mean, who knows? Things can definitely change over the next few days or so. I mean, who knows? He might get arrested again. But if anything, I don't. I truly and my overall thoughts have remained to be unchanged. You know, I think. Right now, even though I said the polling numbers might be fake, if you put a gun to my head and said, who do I think will win the Republican primary for 2024, Trump or DeSantis, I still got to pick uh, Trump. I still got to pick Trump because of the, the success that he had in 2016. But again, I'm always on the fence about this. Like I'm always on the fence as to who I think will win, either Trump or DeSantis, because I think those two individuals, based off how this will go, based off how... Uh, this this thing will go out, whether or not he gets arrested. I, I think that will have a lot to do with the primary. You know, in a lot of ways, that's what their intent is. They want to drag this out so that Trump doesn't have a chance in the primary. And whether or not you think it's fine or, or good or whatnot, I mean, that's just the nature of the situation. That's the reality of the situation. They understand the power and the threat that Trump has on the establishment, and they want to end it as soon as possible. You know, and again, while his threat wasn't necessarily policy-wise, because he, as I said, as I said before, he governed no differently than Jeb Bush or Mitt Romney would. His rhetoric was what made him different. What he said on Twitter when he was on an Adderall binge uh, at three or four a.m. in the morning is what separated him from the establishment, and that's what they fear. You know, they fear the tweets. They fear what he's going to say about certain things. You know, so. That that will shape that will shake up the establishment through and through, and to be honest with you, it's going to be a very interesting next year. I mean, it's going to be like wrestling. It's going to be wrestling. You know, who knows what will happen? I, again, I I sort of predicted that he will run in the in the Republican primary. He'll not do well. There'll be some shady stuff that'll happen. He'll then run third party or as an independent for the twenty twenty four election. You know, you'll see him split up the bill between him and DeSantis or him and Pence or whoever's in whoever the Republicans put in office. And you're going to see Biden win 2024. Now, again, that's my long term booking. That's my WWE style of how I foresee will happen. Who knows? It might be wrong. But I don't think that's far off from what might actually happen. I really don't think so. Um, so overall, Trump not being arrested. I'm not surprised by it. 
who knows what will happen in the next few days to come. Uh, maybe he'll die down and dissipate, or maybe they'll find other ways to arrest him and, and other reasons to do that. Who knows? Who knows for, say, for certain? But at the end of the day, what I can tell you is that politics is gay. It's gay, and uh, I am gay for talking about it. So yeah, overall, that's what I kind of want to discuss or wanted to discuss about uh, the Donald Trump's arrest update it has not happened yet. Who knows when it will happen? Uh, I'm not sure it will happen. <laughs> I'm going to be quite honest with you. Now that I talk more about it, I'm like, eh, I don't know. Uh, but overall, Trump is a crazy guy. You know, he's the cult of personality in a lot of ways. Cult of personality. Um so yeah, that's what I want to give you an update on. Um, I was bracing myself on Tuesday. I'm like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Oh no, it's 5 a.m. No, no, sorry. It's 5 p.m. That's when government offices are closed. Hasn't happened. And also, I want to explain this. I want to say this. Like, If you're going to arrest somebody, why leak it to the public? Right? Like, Usually when somebody gets arrested, they get arrested. No questions asked. Why leak it to the public saying, hey, we might arrest so-and-so? Like, if it's that urgent, wouldn't you just arrest him? Obviously, if, if, if you're announcing you're going to arrest somebody, chances are it's not that urgent and it's not that important to arrest that person. But, again, it's kind of weird to announce that you're arresting somebody before you arrest that person. Uh, I just found it weird to for them to say that or for the media to say that. I, I just found that so weird. But anyways... That's my topic for Trump. Uh, again, as I mentioned before, I'm light on the, on the topics for today. Like, I'm very light. It's very jazz. I'm just going as I'm going. You know, there's no rhyme or reason to it. And there's no rhythm to it. It's just me, like, giving, my, giving you my verbal thoughts to it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's just been a lack of news over the past 48 hours. So you got to do what you got to do. Uh, but I do want to end this on a little bit of a happier note. Uh, we can't talk about politics all the time. You know, we got to end it on a happier note. And I want to end it on baseball because the World Baseball Classic, the final of the World Baseball Classic happened yesterday between the United States and Japan. And Japan won against the United States 3-2. This tournament has been very talked about all over the world, even in America as well. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I, I had a comedy show in... in uh, I had a comedy show up in up in the northern part of Massachusetts, right? I almost gave it away, but no worries. I mean, I can give it away, I assume. But I had a comedy show up in, in up in the northern part of Massachusetts on Thursday, and it was between the Puerto Rican national team and the the, the Dominican Republic national team, and the amount of love and enjoyment that those people had for that for that game was just so crazy in fact it ruined the comedy show in a lot of ways uh the tvs were still on which by the way if you're running a comedy show turn off the tvs what are we doing here why are we having a comedy show where the tvs are on isn't that bad for the comedy show to have everyone's attention to be divided between what's going on on the television screen and what's currently happening at the comedy show why are we still having the tvs on turn them off Turn them off. But I was having a comedy show there, and I was performing, you know, doing my thing. Um, 
okay set mid set not my best certainly didn't bomb but not my best set ever and you know these people were just like clapping and yelling i think they're part of team puerto rico um and it was fun i'm not gonna lie i i i was very jealous that they could watch baseball while we had to watch comedy and hear comedians do crowd work in front of four people you know like i was very um jealous of that but overall uh, the World Baseball Classic happened yesterday. It was the final between USA and Japan, and it was very fun. I'm not going to lie. It, this was one of the more fun baseball games I've ever watched in quite some time now. I used to be a big fan of baseball growing up. You know, I mean, every every Saturday I would watch This Week in Baseball on Fox, you know, watch whatever baseball game was uh, happening on Fox, you know, and, and just enjoy my time watching baseball when it was still popular, when I was still at the tail end of the steroid era there was there were still some fun games during that time um now everything's been sterilized you know there are no steroids in baseball uh and because of that it's dropped off precipitously um but again back in, in the steroid era it was fun i'm not gonna lie the steroid era was fun it was a fun time in baseball you know just seeing like dudes just you know <laughs> hitting the ball 450 feet out into out into the rivers of San Francisco and just seeing Bonds hit homer after homer after homer, you know, being able to see, you know, Manny Ramirez and, you know, Ortiz just, you know, slugging it out at Fenway, you know, A-Rod, you know, in my opinion, A-Rod is, and this is just my opinion, to me, I think A-Rod is the most, I think he's the best baseball player of all time. Like, I, I do, I really do believe so. I think A-Rod, Alex Rodriguez is the best player of all time. And if he was not popped for steroids, I think you would easily see him eclipse Bonds' home run record, Willie Mays' home run record, Hank Aaron's home run record. Um, yeah, so that's that's what I want to get into. The steroid era was fun. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Don't let Bud Selig tell you otherwise. The steroid era was a good era for baseball. Yeah, even though and well, even though Bud Selig has was had his own issues with baseball. He's not like Rob Manfred, by the way. Rob Manfred has really hurt baseball in a lot of ways with the blackout games, with the way that he's treating the fans. I mean, Rob Manfred is is not that has not been a good ambassador for the sport of baseball. So because of that, focus has now been drawn onto the World Baseball Classic, who had certain teams based off their nationalities come and play this game and America's pastime, you know, and. It, the final for yesterday's game was great. It was just very, very fun. Uh, Shohei Otani, obviously the biggest name in baseball today, uh, had a pregame speech to Team Japan, who he was representing, saying, let's stop admiring them. If you admire them, you can surpass them. We came here to surpass them, to reach the top. For one day, let's throw away our admiration for them and just think about winning. And that, to me, was a very, very good speech. Because, again, you know, Japan has a lot of admiration for America, you know, and the Japanese players have a lot of admiration for America, vice versa. So it was good to see him say that. Uh, he, he was not that good in the game uh, besides pitching. I mean, that final inning, he played his balls off. I mean, he was able to strike out his opponent uh, teammate, actually, Mike Trout on the LA Angels, you know, had some great uh, velocity to his pitches, Um but he was not good. I mean, I think he had a ground at, at one point. Uh, he, he went for a walk. I think he struck out 
Uh, I think he struck out swinging, actually. So he was not that good at the plate. I'm, I'm going to be quite honest with you. But when it came to pitching, he was great, especially when he was closing it out at the end of the game. Um, Shohei Otani did good for pitching. For hitting, not so much. Could have been better. But for pitching in that final inning, really good. Uh, but overall, the game was fun because of the atmosphere surrounding the game. If you put this in like a neutral side game, it would not be fun. And part of it was because of the lack of offense that was generated by Team USA. I mean, Trey Turner hit a home run in the second. That was nice. But there was just a failure to catch up on that momentum. You know, for every time you would see like a one-run homer by either Trey Turner or Kyle Schwarber, you would also see a failure to carry on that momentum. You know, when you saw Mookie Betts hit into a double play, right? That, to me, stopped all momentum in that game. I mean, it really did. When Once you saw Mookie Betts, which I'm pretty sure it was Mookie Betts, uh, ground, out, ground out into a double play, it, it was game over. I mean, that was over. I mean, even though it was Otani and Trout, and even though that storyline was very interesting, you know, two, you know, teammates on an MLB team playing for the World Baseball Classic, playing against one another, while that story was good, you realize that it would be over. The game was over as soon as that ha- play happened. You know, so I think what happened with Team USA was that they just had a failure to capitalize on the strides that they made. You know, when they were up one love in the top of the second with that Trey Turner home run, they, they had ample opportunity to really take that in stride and build off that homer. But they weren't able to do that in the slightest. And because of that, you saw Japan come back. You saw Japan's Murakami hit a one-run homer in that same inning as well. You saw Okamoto also get a one-run homer in the fourth. You know, making it 2-1. You know, uh, you saw Okamoto also uh, bring in, uh, was able to go to home plate and, and get a run in, making it 3-1. You know, again, things like that really pile on. And while I, I don't think that they were necessarily the most talented team in Japan, they play with more vigor, with more heart, with more tenacity, with with a chip on their shoulder, if you will. And you really saw that in real time throughout this game, and you really saw that Japan wanted this more. You really did. And overall, I think that this game was great for baseball. I mean, there's no two ways about it. This tournament has been great for baseball. Obviously, you know, you saw the Edwin Diaz injury, uh, which a lot of New York Mets fans were very, very mad about it because it's their closer. You know, they wanted to see the Mets hoist that World Series trophy the first time since 86. But this has been a fun tournament. It has, and it's really brought baseball back into the forefront of discussion, where now people are talking about it. And who knows, maybe it's a one-off. Maybe this is uh, uh, the the only time baseball will have this kind of recognition for this year. Probably will be, but I do think that the storylines that are attached to this product are great, and I think if it's able to carry on, the better it will be for baseball. Because baseball, it is a fun game to watch live. Watching on television, horrible, dreadful. And maybe the pitch clock will help it. You know, who knows? Maybe the pitch clock will speed up the pace of play. But when you watch it live, there's nothing better than it. Like, it's great to just sit at the park with your friends, with your family, just sitting there where it's half empty, you know, reminiscing on the good old days, you know, as Jeff Foxworthy would say. 
and, and you know chowing down on a frank i don't i don't chow down on franks so i'm a vegetarian but you know just eating you know watching consuming the game you know making it be the background noise to your overall conversation there's nothing better than it it really isn't um i know i'm, I'm dissing it but it really isn't but i think playoff baseball especially for teams in it nothing better i mean there's nothing better than than being in that stadium rocking when people are really interested in seeing it there really isn't um so hopefully this can be the catalyst for more popularity on the game of baseball. Maybe it can be. Who knows? Um, but I think it, it will be a good sign to see that happen, uh, to see this continue, to see this success continue with baseball, because uh, it really does need it. I really do think that baseball needs a jump. And who knows? Maybe the, sh- uh, the, sh- the, the pitch clock will add to it. I don't really think it's really been helping that much in terms of I mean, in terms of pace of play, sure, it's been helping. Uh, but in terms of the overall sentiments that pace players have been having on the pitch clock, I don't think it's been helpful that much. Who knows? It could change. But again, the pitch clock has its issues. And maybe they'll fix it. I'm sure they will. But uh, yeah, that's something that still remains to be desired. So I want to see baseball do well. You know, I do like baseball. I, I do enjoy seeing playoff baseball, especially when the Red Sox are in it. You know, I don't think the Red Sox will be in it this year because the, their team's not that great, but a boy can dream. A boy can dream. Uh, so, yeah. Overall, hopefully uh, the World Baseball Classic will be here to say because it, it's a very fun tournament. I, I think the next one's 2026. I mean, the TV numbers have been through the roof. I think over like 150 million people watched it in... Uh, yeah, in the world, last yesterday, I think over 150 million people, and I think the bulk of it was from Japan. It's probably the most watched game in baseball history, if I do say so myself. Uh, the fact that they, that they put it on FS1, I'm like, uh, put it on Fox Sports, put it on, put it on Fox, put it on Channel 8, you know, just put it on like the main channel because that will even grow up the game even more. Stop putting it on behind cable. Don't put it behind cable. Do not put it behind cable. It's It's too good. This game did not deserve to be on cable. It deserved to be on Fox. It deserved to be on Prime Time. It deserved to be on ABC. You know, I'm sure ABC will be on the on, on next week on next year's World Baseball Classic. I'm sure they're they're pitching World Baseball Classic for TV rights for it already. But uh, yeah, uh, hopefully we can get to a point where baseball can really do well because of it. You know, because right now it's the fourth most popular sport in in America. It is. I mean, it's behind football. It's behind basketball. You could argue it's third. Maybe hockey is fourth. But hockey is certainly getting better. I mean, hockey right now, I mean, the pace of play is like two and a half hours. Uh, It's nonstop. It's jam-packed. Watching hockey live is the best form of watching a sport live. If you're watching a sport live, hockey is undoubtedly the best sport to watch live. It really is. I mean, the the pace of play, the especially if you're near the boards, like the the sounds that the players make when they're like checking each other. Nothing better. It's the best sport to watch live. Nothing better than that. Um, so you can make the case that hockey's third and baseball's fourth. And I think baseball right now they need to incorporate some things within it to make it better. Pitch clock is definitely a good thing. It's a good definitely a good start to add. I mean, I, I I wouldn't hate it if tennis adopted that as well. If they had adopted a serve clock, but to 10 or 15 seconds, that would be ideal. 
Uh, I I don't want to see a circle clock that's 30 seconds long. That's way too much time. Way, 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 way too much time. There's, it's got to be 10 to 15 seconds. 15 seconds at the most. Uh, but, yeah, there are certain things that baseball could do to make it better. You know, I mean, I would love to see, um, you, know, a, a, you know, a pitch clock in the regular season. You know, that's well documented and, and that's enforced regularly, but also gives some leeway to the batters in certain issues and, and at certain times, right? Like, if it's bottom of the ninth and... A person's not able to get back into the batter's box. Don't let that guy get a strikeout. Like, don't get let that guy sit back into into the dugout. You know, let that guy still do well. All right, let that guy give some chance for his own team because we want to see that. We don't want to see them play by the rules all the time. We want to see entertainment entertainment at the highest form. You know, and there's a reason why in professional wrestling there's no instant replay because if there was instant replay, then all the spots where referees take bumps would not be the case you know there's a reason why there's no instant replay in wrestling so i'm not saying that you gotta be like, right like wrestling but i'm just saying you gotta be entertaining right uh so yeah pitch clock could definitely be the case um i would also go as far as to say bring back steroids i don't think steroids are an issue like it's quite well known that all athletes are on some form of drug it may not be steroids per se it might be human growth hormone it might be um epo who knows per se but we all know that most athletes are on some form of performance enhancer and in a lot of ways i think it's a good thing for baseball if it means having juiced up guys hitting 450 foot dingers let them do it you know let them do it because at the end of the day it only popularizes the game you know so much defense can only mean so much you got to excite the game some way, shape, or form. And if that means having some form of, of human growth hormone legally and readily available for players, then by all means do it. You know, it, it, the idea that the integrity of the game gets tarnished, I mean, stop it. I mean, this is the same sport that allowed the Black Sox to cheat in 1919 so that they couldn't win, right? This is the same gambling scandal that had Pete Rose in it, all right? And this is the same sport that allowed... And, you know, amphetamines to be popularized in the 70s, okay? This is not a sport that prides itself on integrity and morals and, and hard work and a hard work ethic. No, like, people will cheat to get their themselves in it. Let them cheat. Let them cheat. You know, let baseball be entertaining because it's still a fun sport to watch, especially when you're watching live, you know? So, yeah, overall, I really want to get into that with baseball. Let baseball be fun again. And I'll even go as far as to say, let tennis be fun again. Like, there are times where tennis, in my opinion, is, fails to deliver to the plate. No pun intended. But there are times where tennis just does not come to the expectations that I really want it to be. And then obviously, if you want to hear me, if you want to hear me give, give you my diatribe on tennis... Go listen to my 2021 episodes. I've spent a lot of time documenting my overall uh, frustrations and my grievances with tennis in terms of how it could be more popular. And some some of it I still believe in. And some others I'm like, okay, maybe I was going a little too, bit too far on that. Um, but the overall sentiments I still somewhat agree with in a lot of ways. I still believe that tennis should do a lot more in terms of getting more people to watch it. You know, I mean, obviously an American tennis player definitely helps, but... Uh, more importantly, I do think that having stars that people enjoy are is more important, and having 
more of a focus drawn on social media by building up feuds and storylines through social media. I think that plays a lot into it. And I think that's something that football does a lot better than us at. I think basketball extremely does that better than us. And if you're a fan of tennis or baseball, you got to focus on that. You got to make sure that people are interested in watching it. You know, you got to treat this like WWE. You got to treat this like wrestling or storylines, long-term booking and, and promos that are delivered through social media instead of the squared circle uh, deliver and that they matter and that people can sell that within, within the diamond or within the, the tennis court, you know? So overall, World Baseball, the World Baseball Classic happened yesterday. It was fun. It was enjoyable. I enjoyed my time while watching it. It was one of the few times where I actually watched live uh, the game. One of the few times I watched it live, uh, especially that final at bat one. I'm like, I was just glued. I'm like, who's 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 gonna who's gonna win? I mean, obviously, I know Team Japan's gonna win because you know Team USA just fumbled the bag. They just fumbled it at the end. But um, Mike Trout and Otani just to see that matchup. I mean, that's like. That that's a that's a story, bro. That is a story. What a story, Mark, as the great Tommy Wiseau would say. Anyways, uh, I think that's it for the topics for today. Uh, a little bit of a chill episode. I, I know I didn't really talk that much about it. Again, it's been four to eight hours since I last talked to you, so there's only so many so many news stories that I can get get into. And like, what else could I talk about? Like being fake outraged about some political event that will be in the public spotlight for 24 hours and then never to be heard again. Like, do I really want to talk about that, or should I talk about other things that? pique my interest you know so i so i went for, with the ladder you know i went with the ladder and i'm happy about that decision uh, i was going to talk about duck stanhope's no refunds uh <laughs> on this podcast i'm like oh my god like i'm so like out of flux and i there's so little topics might as, might as well talk about duck stanhope's no refunds but uh i digress i think that's it for the top uh, podcast for, for you guys today so guys thank you so much for watching thanks so much for listening uh guys uh make sure you like subscribe and click click the bell icon for notifications down below make sure you follow me on my instagram uh twitter and uh my tiktok at aj tucker a-j-a-y T-H-A-K-K-A-R. Make sure you subscribe to both my podcast channel, my podcast clips channel, my stand-up channel. All the uh, links are down in the description box below. And uh, make sure you leave a comment down below as well on the topics that I discussed, whether it's World Baseball Classic, Trump getting arrested, my overall Miami World predictions. I think the more comments that there are, the better it is for this community. And uh, if you have any questions, comments, leave them down below. I'll do my best to respond to each and every one of them. And last but not least, make sure you spread it through your WhatsApp and through your group threads. You know, getting more people involved, invest in the podcast, great. Uh, and uh, to hear more conversations being played out, also great as well. So, guys, thank you so much for watching. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you guys on Tuesday. Enjoy your weekend. Avoid the bookings. Enjoy the Miami Open. Uh, I don't know what I'll be talking about for the political and societal aspects. I know who knows. Maybe Trump will get arrested. At this point, I'm not holding my breath for it. I, I truly think people are just done and sick and tired and have fatigue over that guy so it's just like eh whatever but anyways guys thanks so much for watching thanks so much for listening i'll see you guys on tuesday avoid the bookings enjoy your weekend enjoy watching the miami open and um i'll see you guys on tuesday all right guys peace see y'all